Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Open the pod bay doors, now. What's going on everyone? Welcome to Cinemates, a podcast for a bunch of mates. Chat about cinema over some drinks. Today I'm joined by Elijah, Pat and James. Boys, thanks for coming on the show. How are you all going? You're pretty good, mate. <laughs> yeah, good. Thanks welcome. Very, very Excited well. to talk about some Star Wars. Yeah, let's do it. So in this episode, we'll be talking about the most anticipated show of the year, Obi-Wan Kenobi Season 1, starring Ewan McGregor, Moses Ingram, and Hayden Christensen. And while we do that, Pat, what are we going to be drinking? We're drinking a, a special beer called Jedi Juice <laughs> in, in honor of the Star Wars show that we're going to be talking about. Um Made by Hop Nation. It's a uh, pretty chewy, but uh, I, I can <laughs> highly <chewy>. recommend it. <laughs> oh, it's very good. Uh, so as always, make sure you're following Cinemates on your chosen streaming platform and leave a five-star review. Also, check out the Cinemates YouTube channel where I post video essays on film and TV characters and have recently posted an essay about Obi-Wan, Luke, and Anakin being the best character arcs in Star Wars. So go check that out if you're interested. Now, getting into it, we like to start these podcasts with a bit of an intro to see who our guests are and what they like to watch, Pat. So, got a few questions about cinema for you. Let's do it. First question, most memorable movie that you've seen in cinemas? I think the most memorable movie I saw in the cinemas was this movie called The Lobster by Yorgos okay. Lanthimos, starring yeah. Colin Farrell. Um, I didn't really know what I was <laughs> expecting when I went and watched it and... Essentially, the premise is if you're not in a couple, if, you, if, you're, if your girlfriend or your boyfriend splits up with you, you have to go to this hotel where all the other single people are kept. And if you don't find a partner within 30 days, they turn you into an animal of your choosing. It's incredibly right. strange, but all Yorgos Lanthimos movies are really strange, but I, I really recommend it. It's great. Wow. Never like, seen it. Always like heard great reviews about it, but... That yeah. sounds extremely interesting. Yeah. Colin Farrell's just great in everything as well. Yeah, can't I've go wrong. It. It's very good. It's very rogue. 
I'm interested to hear the context of you seeing this, Pat. <laughs> I, I saw it at the, at, I think at a, the Sydney Film Festival and I think I was on a date <laughs> and I picked it just at random and I don't think that that particular person has ever viewed me the same ever again. <laughs> I think they would have rather been turned into an animal than go on another date with me. <laughs> Keep them nameless, I <laughs> Very good. Next question, fastest TV show binge? Yeah, this is pretty easy. I was one of those idiots at the beginning of Game of Thrones that said that I wasn't into it and just refused to watch it for the first two or three seasons. Um, and then I finally kind of accepted that it must be good because everyone on He's the watching. face of the earth was watching it. Yeah. And I th- I think I watched the first three seasons in like a week <laughs> and wouldn't shut up about it for them to, <laughs> during that. And it was like, yeah, we know already. That's some serious binging there. It's a long wait as well between the other ones. It is. Yeah. I was going up to people being like, the Red Wedding, wow. And they were like, yeah, it was two years ago. Catch up. <laughs> oh, good. Can, I've witnessed a few of Pat's binges um, in Redfern. And, Are you talking about TV binges? Yeah, TV binges. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and I'm surprised that it wasn't one of those, to be honest, during COVID. Yeah, there's some um, serious What are we talking during COVID? Uh, Jim eventually got me onto Breaking Bad, and I think I caught up to that by watching three or four episodes Cl- a night. Clone Wars, oh my up. god! Clone Wars straight into Rebels. That was a big streak. <laughs> that was a big binge, which um, we'll probably talk. That's a, a good little. Which you got me into. So. Yeah, that's a marker because we might be talking about Clone Wars and Rebels. Yeah, I'm, later. I'm sure we will. Next question: Favorite Australian film? So. I'm not sure how strict we are on the definitions. I yeah. don't know what counts as an Australian film necessarily, but I think I think if it counts, it's Mad Max Fury Road. Okay. It's not a super Australian cast, mm. but it's an Australian filmmaker and it's set obviously in Australia yeah. through the Mad Max um, series. I guess the other thing is you might technically say that the prequels are Australian movies because – Star Wars prequels. Star, Star Wars prequels because they're all made in, in Fox Studios in Sydney. That is true. So maybe they're Australian movies. And okay. if they are, then Revenge of the Sith is my favourite Australian movie. <laughs> I we like it. We do know a cast member. Right. Yeah, we do. <laughs> um, no, it's good. It, it is a loose definition, so it's good to hear some new answers. Next question, a movie that you think everyone needs to see. So maybe I regret picking this because I'm not sure everyone needs to see this, but I picked this movie called The Unbearable Lightness of Being, which is a a movie that I picked because not many people have seen it and so maybe it's a good recommendation. Um, It's based on this really strange, amazing book by the same name, but it's got one of the lesser-known Daniel Day-Lewis performances in it. And so if you're a big cinephile and you like Daniel Day-Lewis, you should definitely watch it. It's Set in Eastern Europe, there's lots of Eastern European Soviet weirdness, <laughs> lots of violence and lots of like very strange psychosexual dynamics. So <laughs> it probably comes with a warning that, that you have to be up for that. But okay, yeah, really, really rate it. It's one of my favourite movies. Interesting. Favourite streaming service? I'd love to say Disney Plus considering we're talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi and I think Disney Plus is amazing. But I think. Also, like 50% of Disney Plus is amazing and 50% of Disney Plus is like unmitigated intellectual <laughs> property bullshit. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think I, I think you got to go the, the House of the Mouse if we're talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Nice. A lot of content on there. Next question, TV show that you're watching in the moment. So because we're <laughs> talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi, I've gone back and I've started re-watching Star Wars Rebels. Okay. Because I... I I love Star Wars Rebels. I think it's like some of the best original Star Wars content. It like doesn't mm. lean super heavily on characters that already existed. Yeah. Um, 
there's lots of parallels that we're probably going to talk about. And then my kind of have a beer after a big day of work TV show is Reacher on Amazon Prime, which is based on the Jack Reacher series. Um, but instead of casting Tom Cruise like they did in the movie, um, who's 5'8", when the character <laughs> from the books is 6'5", they actually cast a guy who's like 6'6", and just basically beats people up with his fists. Is that John Krasinski? No. Or different? No, it's the guy... Um, on Blue Mountain State, is yeah, he? he plays Thad Castle <laughs> on New Ma- on Blue Mountain State, and oh. he's just unbelievably juiced, and it's <laughs> so good because he just goes around like knocking the piss out of people, basically. Nice. So, good. so, in the last episode, we had a Cinemates elevator pitch from myself for the first time, doing an extended recommendation of my brother's pitch, Boiling Point. So we've got a guest reaction from a regular Cinemates member here, Tom. So let's hear what he's got to say about Boiling Point. Hey, Michael, just finished watching Boiling Point and I wanted to give my initial thoughts. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was unlike anything I've ever seen before. And I think they turned such a simple plot into a very enjoyable film with so many different characters. I thought Steve, Stephen Graham's performance was unreal as well. Nice. However, I do have to say, I didn't really like the ending and I'm also <laughs> sceptical of it being filmed in entirely one shot. I saw two opportunities where they uh, could have cut. <laughs> Nonetheless, I really enjoyed it and would definitely recommend to others. Um, but I will say, Burnt still takes the cake for me. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the old Burnt. Man. Hey, was that a positive review or a negative review? I think I think largely positive from Tom. I, I don't like. I heard that they have you seen Elijah? No, I haven't. Yeah, so it's filmed as one shot, and they actually filmed it as that. Um, but Tom's been. Did you take liberties with my elevator pitch by saying it definitely was filmed in one no, shot? No, I watched uh, interviews with the director, and they literally okay. filmed it from start to finish. How long is it? Ninety minutes. Decent effort. Yeah. Um, could be wrong and maybe Tom's found some uh, subtle behind-the-wall shots, but fairly sure it's not. But nonetheless, sounds like you enjoyed it, Tom. It is a good movie. should watch it, Elijah. Okay. This, this is the first B2B elevator pitch where yes. uh, I'm, I'm honoured. Thank you. For, <laughs> yeah, well, thank you of, for letting me react to the reaction of the reaction. That's yeah, that's uh, just very 2022 of you. Are you happy with the reaction from Tom? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I wasn't trying to claim that the one shot thing definitely happened, but it just had that style. Yeah. Have, have either of you two, Elijah, you haven't watched it? Pat, have you watched it? I, I've watched it. It's like that one shot thing, like kind of in Birdman, where they yeah. take mm. you through everything as it goes. Where, yeah. yeah. What do you think of it, Pat? Yeah, I thought it was way better than Burnt, which, which, which clearly is the biggest contention that we're talking about at the moment. But There's a running joke on this podcast about Burnt. I'm yeah, I've, I've noticed that. Watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Have you not watched it? No, no, it's I've just seen it Bradley either. Cooper folding his arms for two hours. Um, not, trying to be not Stephen Graham going, give me, give me a minute. Give me a minute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Boiling Point's great and good to hear your thoughts, Tom. So for the next elevator pitch in this episode, we've got one from Ned. So let's hear what he's recommending. Hey, Sully, Ned here. Just wanted to pitch to you the movie Hustle with Adam Sandler. 
Uh, it's a recent basketball film where Sandler's playing a bloke called Stanley. He is a scout for the 76ers and he finds a European phenom who he brings over to try and make it in the league. It's a really good film. It's an even better sports film. They get full access to the 76ers facility. Some of the best players are the main actor is actually in the NBA. So he's doing training drills and it's fucking nuts. Uh, it's got some of the best sports drill scenes in a movie you'll come across. Uh, and the narrative's really cool. It's truthful. It's a fucking tough grind trying to make the league, let alone being an overseas player. Uh, and the film navigates this space with the audience, takes them into the world really powerfully, and it's, yeah, a lot of fun to watch. Let me know what you think, mate. Have a good one. Okay, Hustle, very interesting. Have seen it recently released on Netflix, the Adam Sandler basketball film. Have you guys seen Hustle yet? I've seen one scene, and it's Adam Sandler talking up to a what looks like an Eastern European guy who's about <laughs> nine foot five. Saying that he's like 18 yeah. and he's, he's yeah, got a exactly. kid who's eight or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen that scene as well. I haven't seen the movie, but I'm just like super here for this late stage chaotic Adam Sandler off the back of Uncut Gems. <laughs> like if he wants to do this forever, I'm just thrilled with yeah. it, to be honest. It sounds like it's his dream project to be able to like do an NBA thing. Like he obviously loves basketball. It's yeah. All his movies. Um so I'm definitely around watching it. Yeah, 100%. Bit of a uh, reconnaissance for Adam Sandler. The sand <laughs> I would contend that he never went away. But <laughs> I certainly would. I, grown ups too. Grown I ups stand too. by everything the man's ever done. <laughs> Jack and Jill. <laughs> exactly. That was his Rotten Tomatoes run before. The big comeback was the comedy special. Yeah, 100% yeah. fresh. And he was on Uncut Gems. <clears throat> and he's doing another Safety Brothers I think he is, yeah. Yeah, so this is this is a good run. Good run. We'll see where it goes. Now, getting into Obi-Wan Kenobi, to listeners out there who haven't seen the show yet, boys, what would you say about the series in one word? Uh, my one word was balanced. Okay. Why, why balanced? Um, uh, I thought it had a good mix between, like, new canon, nostalgia, and, like, links to existing Disney shows, for example, Rebels. Okay. It's very Yoda of you as well. He's always talking about balance. (laughs) (laughs) Balance in your content. (laughs) Fat, what's your one word? Uh, My word was absolution because it feels like there's a lot of the characters are carrying a lot of guilt and and, and seeking a lot of absolution from that guilt and and seeing whether they can kind of overcome that. Nice. Seeing them wrestling with it. I back that. Jim? Uh, My word's slightly less artistic, just clean. Clean. Um, Cinematography. Very clean, which mm. is pretty unusual for a Star Wars movie. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, just the way that the actual plot comes together, I thought was very clean as well. So Yeah, well said. My one word is going to be legacy. I thought that they were dealing with some material that was last seen t- mostly 20 years ago and they dealt with it well. There was some good nostalgia, as Elijah said, um, and they've tied it up and – led it in a good direction towards where the original trilogy was. So you've heard our words there. So if you haven't seen it, go watch it. But we'll get into our overall thoughts on the show. What's the kind of first things that jump out for you guys? Yeah, good question. I don't know. Uh, Interesting to see whether you guys agree with me. I thought it was like pretty in keeping with the entire Star Wars universe, which is really, really high highs Mm. and then – really, really low lows. Like this is like the series where we get like, I loved you, Anakin. You were my brother. 
in the same movie where you get a lot of Jar Jar Binks content. <laughs> um, and I thought a little bit of that was still in the DNA somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Completely yeah. agree. I think right. it I think it tied Revenge of the Sequels and the originals really well, but I felt like there was Revenge of the Sequels. <laughs> Revenge of the Sequels. <laughs> <laughs> um but I thought, yeah, as you said, Jim, like the cinematography was really good. Um the director, Deborah Chow, she did a few of the episodes in season one of Mandalorian. Um, and I thought that her kind of style was really cool. Like the set pieces were new, were on new p- planets. Um, we weren't just getting the same sort of things. And I think like a few examples was like the mining system and like the Inquisitor base. Like these are things that are new. And I thought that it was like a little fresh take. And as well, like there were some really cool shots, like especially in the finale, which we'll talk about, you know, they're doing – really long shots of like lightsaber battles and like new things that maybe we haven't seen. So I thought that was a nice little something, something new to the table for, for this series. Yeah. It's funny you talk about the lightsaber battles because they're like very distinct styles of lightsaber battles across like the different, yeah. the three sets of the three movies in the first original series. You've obviously got, um, old Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth kind of touching sticks. <laughs> um, Tapping each other. In the prequels, you've got that really acrobatic like Yoda flipping all over the place. And in, yeah. now in the sequels with, with Rey and Kylo, you've got like the, the, the almost got like broadswords where they're really heavy and they're just mm. like banging them against each other. This is almost like a mixture of the three of them, which yeah. is really nice because you know that he's going to become old Ben Kenobi where yeah. he has the old school style again. So I thought that was really, really cool actually. Yeah, little subtle things like that. Like they've obviously thought about it a lot, especially which we'll get into more, but some of the characters have certain styles as well. Um, But that was a nice touch. And I think the fight scenes were still very epic and like shot in a very cool way. A lot of them were like in the dark and like the lightsabers are lighting up the whole thing um, and the characters. So I thought that was really cool. And I think the characters themselves... There were some that were a bit odd, but most of them, especially the main ones, Obi-Wan, Darth, and even Reva, like had some great elements. Um, So that was good for me. When you're talking about the odd characters, are you talking about the characters that work on that kind of like tuna farm where he's working at the very (laughs) beginning? You know, they were like, he's got that red meat that they're cutting up into (laughs) parcels. He likes sashimi, It looks like really nice sashimi (laughs) that you get, like a a really nice fishmonger or something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like... There, there were some odd things here and there, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, they, they were obviously on, you know, Tatooine where there's some strange characters, but... Yeah, den of um, a hive of scum and villainy or whatever the quote is yeah. from the original movie. <laughs> um, I think as well, one more thing, like, the finale, like, just brought the house down. I think after episode five, I was like, geez, they've got a lot to do in this finale but they did it. Like they they tied all the loose ends. They left the characters in where they would go, which we'll explain more into. But yeah, finale was amazing. And there were some awesome nostalgia scenes throughout as well. Yeah, no, I thought they kind of pulled it off quite well. Um, if you think about the context of post, post-prequel, post-Disney acquisition Star Wars, mm. Um, it's been a bit of a ride of hype, disappointment, excitement. Mm. Um, 
you got all ends of the spectrum of <laughs> production since then. And I think this definitely fits up in like the kind of delivering category. Yeah. Um, a lot of hype, um, but I think it actually kind of delivered well as a, you know, a standalone Star Wars piece, which is great. Um, yeah. There, there's been things where the hype's been huge, but the delivery's been crap, like the sequel trilogy. But then there's been things like The Mandalorian where mm. no one expected anything and it's and they gave one, us. one of the best things. So there's almost kind of a mix of both where like there's actually quite a bit of hype from especially our generation of people who watched all the prequels. They're like loving these characters and they want more and it actually kind of delivered, which was yeah. really good. What did everyone think about, you know, obviously they have to get to the original trilogy and we already know about the fate of some of these characters, um, especially like say with Luke in in this series, he's a child um, and Reeve is going after him and you kind of know that he's got to stay alive. What did you think about that sort of aspect? I think probably not on the Luke part, but the relationship between Obi-Wan and Leia. Mm. I liked how they focused on that relationship as opposed to Obi-Wan and Luke. Yeah. Because in the New Hope, she knows him. Like she's she's calling for him. Yeah. So I think they did that really well. And it was I it was also something I wasn't expecting at all, especially when Not you see Luke in the trailer. Yeah. yeah. Which is a good point. Like we talked about in our episode, the trailer only really had stuff from the first two, maybe three episodes. So the back half we never really knew where they were gonna go with it, which was just like a nice thing. Like they teased it all, all being about Luke and Obi Wan just looking over him at Tatooine, but we got something very different. Yeah. I think it's interesting because, like, with Luke, you do lose, like, a lot of the jeopardy, not only because you obviously know that he survives, mm. but you actually know that he doesn't know anything. And so yeah. in the last episode, <clears throat> you don't – he actually doesn't even see Reva's lightsaber when she's chasing him because True. he has to ask old Ben Kenobi in A New Hope, what is that? Yeah. And yeah, he has to explain it to him. So on the Luke hand, they're really, like, uh, constrained by that. Yeah, With Leia, yeah. though, they've almost turned her into like this trick that Disney, the Disney era Star Wars has, which is Grogu is the young, cute thing that they pair with the main character. Mm. And then in the Bad Batch, you've got the young clone yeah, that they yeah. pair with the Bad Batch. And they've it's become like a really consistently <laughs> rewarding formula for them, yeah. um, which I think you maybe if you're being cynical would say like that's what happens when the Disney Corporation buys your yeah, yeah, buys yeah. your IP, but <laughs> I loved that whole layer arc because, like, yeah, me too. It explains why she obviously goes on this epic journey with Obi Wan throughout the whole series and mm. meets basically the start of the Rebel Alliance. Like that's what the the pathway is effectively. Yeah, and it gives context <laughs> as to why, at the same age, because they're twins, why she's like basically running the rebellion. You know, and he's just like hope, on a farm. Well, he's just like a complete, like doesn't know anything and is just out of it. Yeah. Which I thought was really cool. And it just shows that like <laughs> just gives her character so much more depth. Um, and like I haven't done it yet, but I will. But rewatching the original trilogy, knowing what she's been through now, you kind of like have way more respect for her abilities. Mm, um, for sure. And what she pulls off. And it also like gives context to the like sequel trilogy as well where – She's leading the whole thing. And like it just, yep. the arc just makes so much more sense now. So yeah. I, and I just did not expect that from this no, series at all. Not at all. It, it's such like a, 
trope that works, like trope in a good way of fantasy storytelling, which is the reason that Harry Potter works in Harry Potter is because he doesn't know anything about the world and so he gets introduced to it. The reason Frodo works is because he doesn't know anything about the world and he gets introduced Mm. to it. And so you have Leia being introduced to that. There's that line in I think it's the third episode where they're going through um, and they interact with the stormtroopers before Obi-Wan meets Vader and she asks him, what does the force feel like? Mm. And it's exactly the same as the conversation that Qui-Gon has with young Anakin in The Phantom Menace and it's exactly the same as the conversation that Obi-Wan has with um, young Luke in A New Hope and he says something like, um, have you ever been afraid of the dark? And she and she yeah. nods and he says, and how do you feel when you turn on the light? And she says, I feel safe. And he said, that's what it feels like. And there's a reason that Gandalf has a huge light that illuminates the room and there's the reason why Dumbledore has that line where he says, if you're ever if you're ever in the dark, all you need to do is turn on the light. Mm. It's because that that metaphor for people that are outside of the world is what is who the reader is or who yeah. the viewer is, and it works across it works reliably across all fantasy storytelling. <laughs> and Star Wars is fantasy. It's, it's, it's not it's not sci-fi. Yeah. Like they're space magicians. The Jedi, like that. This <laughs> and is, priests. Yeah, that's right. They're space wizard priests <laughs> who, uh, who have taken a vow of celibacy. <laughs> like they're literally space priests. That's a very English essay. Yeah, that's I good. wonder if that would ever justify a student <laughs> using that for like a HSE oh, text. The world will be a good yeah. place if our kids can talk about Star Wars in their English essays <laughs> rather than Hamlet a or whatever we had to do. Yeah. <laughs> They're the new Blade Runner. Oh, how good. Um now, just before we get into our favorite scenes, quotes, and characters of the show, we'll just take a short ad break. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. 
Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. All right, so getting into it, boys, what are our sort of favorite scenes, quotes, or characters from the series? Can we bring up that last fight straight away? Yeah, go for it. Um, Dive in. Going back to your word, it was clean. The one word. There were some question marks. Wasn't sure about how, um, still undecided about if I'm okay with how strong their abilities with the force were. Kind of brought me back to like, because obviously in the original trilogy, you don't see Vader, even like Palpatine, like the most power they have is like force lightning or something like that. Yeah. Whereas now like Obi-Wan can just move boulders or Vader can Mm. make an earthquake or like in the, um, in or like Ray can lift up all those rocks in that yeah. scene when they're, they're escaping. So that was probably one question mark. But apart from that, when they were fighting, the thing that stood out for me, obviously the lightsaber battle and the dialogue, and I'm sure you guys will anal- analyze that, but the colors on Vader's mask mm. when they were talking, little things like that, like at the start of the conversation, it was blue talking to Obi-Wan, but Anakin slash Vader hadn't really spoken. Then as soon as he started speaking and Obi-Wan realises that he's actually lost, his mask goes completely red. Yeah. I feel like they did little subtle things like that really well. But I think to talk about your thing on the powers being too much, like you got to think that in the original trilogy, you hear that Vader's this like murdering psychopath and he's like killed thousands of people, but we never really saw him do that until Rogue One where you see at the end he's just killing rebels like they're nothing. Um, so I'm glad that they actually did show him as being really powerful. Like he pulls down a ship and he's yeah. like facing Reva in episode five without a blade and just forcing away her lightsaber. But in the final battle scene, I thought on top of all those really good subtle things, like even just the setup, like – Obi-Wan's waiting there and then Vader comes back and there's this really cool like long shot where you just see them looking at each other and you think about how they literally, Anakin was a kid and Obi-Wan brought him up and they they were brothers as they said in Revenge of the Sith and you're just like not sure how it's going to go down and I think as well like they start fighting and the lightsabers are just like shining up the scene but one little thing that I really liked was that, um, first of all, you see in episode five, as I said, that Vader was like using one hand against Reva and using his force. It's like peak Vader. Yeah. And then now he sees Obi-Wan, but he's using it with two hands because you know that. That was mid-fight. Yeah. Oh, sorry. That yeah. was mid-fight to be fair. Um, but as well, Vader also like kind of yells when he's fighting. And you don't, yeah, I don't think you get that. Than, he's he's yeah. strained. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. The only time you hear Vader yell in any other part of Star Wars is in the original trilogy when he's in the, um, in the TIE fighter and yeah, um, yeah. comes over the top <laughs> with the, with the Millennium Falcon and he goes, what? And he has to pull away, which has been memed a million times. <laughs> yeah. But I thought that was sick. Um, but now let's talk about like the fight itself. What did you guys think about? How we get how Obi Wan gets like buried in the rubble, um, and what happens going from there. It's almost like I don't know whether you guys have seen 
Avatar: The Last Airbender, but it it almost looks like he's earth bending. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, like they're like they're both like earth bending. It is very reminiscent of the final battle in Avatar it with is. the Fire Lord, <laughs> with those big piles of rocks. Yeah. <laughs> but I, but I think like what you said about like when they both arrive and you see them facing off. Like George Lucas always talks about how Star Wars is a space western, mm. and so it looks like exactly like in a western where they see yeah. each other, but it's so different because when he meets Vader in episode three and he's in the dark, he doesn't know where Vader is and he's running away from him and he turns his lightsaber off and he's scared of him. In this one, Vader flies down to the, the moon and he's just like there waiting for him. And it's yeah. like a really cool like leveling up moment where it's like, yeah. I'm not scared of the dark anymore. I'm not scared of that thing that I said to Leia. I'm here to face you and like, let's go basically. Shows that he's like got his confidence back. That's right. I think on that note, it would have actually been good if they, because in episode two, is it that he saves Leia by, yes. and he like struggles to do that. On that Blade Runner planet. Yeah. He saves him with the force. <laughs> like it would have been good if there was like maybe another two episodes just for him to like slowly get there, but it was cool to we see. We get to little improvements. Later. Yeah, we, we can for sure. Um, I thought it was cool that, especially when they start fighting or before he says like, have you come to destroy me, master? And you realize that he's still like got this bit of weakness in Chip him. Chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, he's still slightly attached to Obi Wan. And it's a, and it's a throwback to when <clears throat> he gets off the ship in Revenge of the Sith, and he's and he says, hey, "Have you come here to destroy me?" And you're like reminded of Padme and him forced to yeah. Padme and all that craziness. Yeah. So so many little subtle like quotes. I really enjoyed in the fight um, how like. The way I see the whole rock throwing thing is I immediately got transported back to Empire Strikes Back when they're having that fight when essentially Vader just like puts his lightsaber out and just starts throwing shit at Luke. Yeah. Mm. I'm like, this is literally where he learns it from because like Vader's coming at Obi-Wan just with a lightsaber and, you know, he does the earthquake thing but then like Obi-Wan like actually throws other object. Uh, it's kind of like a new tier of fight where mm. it like – the sabers end and it's like, no, how do I like do other shit to make you like fall off your game? And like it clearly takes that into like another movie. Yeah. And, yeah. and that comes from the prequels as well, right? Like when Yoda fights Palpatine at the end of Revenge of the Sith, yeah. they start off with the lightsabers and then they move to throwing and like using the, their force powers against each other. And there's yeah. that whole like it happens with Dooku and like there's a, a leveling up where they kind of respect each other. But have yeah. to go to a different mode. Yeah. I thought um, when Obi-Wan gets like buried under the rubble and you're like not sure kind of how he's going to get out of it and he starts hearing all the voices and Vader's like, um, like you've failed, Master, and he starts to get those visions of like Leia and Luke and you realise that like he hasn't really had anything to like motivate him or like give him belief for like the past like 10 years. And then if you've seen Clone Wars, like he also like lost his loved one who was going to um, almost get him out of the order. Satine. Uh, Satine, yeah. And yeah, I thought that was a really cool scene. And then he obviously gets out of the rubble and we get the um, almost like, is it called the Christ Redeemer in Rio? When yes, <laughs> it is. The big Jesus. And he's hurling all the rocks at him. I thought that was just an epic scene and they – they built up to that really well. Um, so just like leaning into the fact that like no one in Star Wars is ever really dead. 
Like yeah. he gets covered by rocks, not dead. Grand Inquisitor <laughs> gets a lightsaber through the torso, not dead. <laughs> yeah. Like Palpatine's not dead for the sequels. Like Maul's not dead in Clone Wars. No one dies. No in one Star dies. Wars. Ever. I saw a hilarious thing today though. Like you know, everyone gets stabbed through the chest. They all survive. <laughs> this guy on YouTube was like, "Wait, so Qui Gon like comes back?" Surely the first thing he's asking is, why didn't I survive? When yeah, I that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, like, um, I know that with the Jedi, it's like not the right thing to do to like brutally kill someone. But even like Grand Inquisitor or Reva, when Vader stabs Reva again, um, like, why didn't he just finish her off? Yeah, no one ever does. Like he, he is on the dark side. Why didn't he just like chop her to pieces? Didn't and f- need to. <laughs> because of plot, Michael. <laughs> plot. <laughs> True, you're right. Um, but to to keep going on the the final battle scene, um, we get the Obi Wan like redemption. He slices the helmet. What do we think about the slicing of the helmet and the whole dialogue between Anakin, Darth, and Obi Wan? Look, like I probably don't need to talk too much about it because I think that Jim and Elijah probably have like more insightful things. I think it's just an advert to watch <clears throat> Star Wars Rebels. Like if you're yeah. if you're up against a barrier because Star Wars Rebels is animated, get over it and watch <laughs> Star Wars Rebels because this scene borrows really heavily from it. Yeah, and it's amazing when a similar thing happens. Probably don't want to spoil that for people, but um, they borrow really heavily off that. Mm. That's why I think it's so impactful. Do you think 100%. it was too similar? Um. I think the makers of it are probably stuck in a weird uh, situation where probably the majority of people that are watching Kenobi have never seen Rebels. Yeah, I agree. Mm. But then if you go back and you watch Rebels now, it probably just adds to it for you. And if I, and if you've seen Rebels already, like I have and like you guys have, you just turn into that Leonardo DiCaprio meme of him pointing at something <laughs> that he already knows. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I think it works. But it, yeah, yeah. there are parts of it that are predictable as a result of that. It's a nice like little trilogy going where the closest people to him get close. It's a, a lot of people have dissected this, but they kind of break down the mask, so to speak. But only in the end, Luke actually gets it off him, mm. which I think is really cool. Um, yeah, so Ahsoka and Obi-Wan, obviously huge parts of Anakin's life, could try and reveal him underneath but couldn't quite get there. Um, and the ultimate of- turning thing as well, like they kind of try to draw him back to the light mm. and both of them fail effectively. It's also probably one of the first times that we see like Hayden Christensen's face. Oh, I love yeah. that. Yeah, because... Yep. Because you see it when he, they do the flashbacks, and mm. then you see it when he um, sees the mirage of of them yeah. in, in that uh, when they when him and Leia are walking. But if you're Hayden Christensen, you're like, I'm not. Don't bring me back and just put me in the suit, <laughs> yeah, brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think as well, like something that was really cool with that was um, he says uh, Anakin's gone, and it's uh, Hayden and James Earl Jones' voice like mashed up, and that yeah. was just like. Such a cool touch because you weren't sure how it was going to work. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's absolute nostalgia porn. Oh, it is. It is. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You love it. And and, and, <laughs> and in the pursuit of like not being a toxic male who cried when when <laughs> Obi-Wan says, I'm sorry, and Anakin, I'm sorry. Because yeah. oh, I was in I was in bits. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I'd off topic, but some of the best acting in Star Wars from Ewan McGregor. Like, oh, oh, the without a doubt. He's a superstar. 
So good. And I think on that, like, potential Amy. <laughs> yeah. I, I wish. But, um. <laughs> nah, it was really well acted. I think, it's, like, even even Hayden himself, like, he says, um, you didn't kill Anakin like I did. And I thought that he performed that really well as well. For sure. I thought that was awesome where he kind of, like, <clears throat> said it with a smile. Like the, oh, you didn't kill me uh, like I did. And he, like, it just gets you thinking, like, you never see Vader's face at any point, like what his expressions are underneath. Mm, but it just makes him look really evil. Yeah. And like a sure. joke almost. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, he's enjoying all this shit underneath. Yeah. And if you if you read the comics, like, Vader is completely deranged. Like, he sets up the Inquisitor's on like this almost kind of army exercise to chase him around the galaxy because he's bored in some of the comics. <laughs> like 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 he he doesn't feel challenged by any anything or anyone. Yeah. Um and so you see that when he says that. You see that like you're scared of him when you see his face and you're scared of him when he fights Obi-Wan for the first time in the dark. Mm. And it almost turns into like a horror movie, a little bit like the Rogue One hallway. Yeah. Where you're like, imagine Darth Vader chasing you around in the dark and you can't see him. And it, you actually feel that like palpable oh, fear absolutely. from the breath and the red lightsaber oh, coming for you. Well, that that's what um, you and McGregor mentioned, didn't he? In one of those interviews, he said, "I, I was genuinely scared when they were filming." I, I must have been that final fight scene. Yeah, um, said he was genuinely scared. Yeah, and like he, because he obviously didn't have any scenes with Vader before this. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to hear that what he was genuinely the- fearful. What do you think of like the fight setting? Because like we knew it was coming, and like obviously Mustafa was on this lava planet. Mm. Um, like the other time they fight is on the Death Star. Like they had a bit of creative rope to choose where they would fight. Mm. So what do you guys think of like them just landing one v one on this abandoned planet kind of vibe? I liked it because. In the sequel trilogy, we just got a carbon copy of every planet. Like there's a salt planet mirroring Hoth. We got the water instead of Mustafar. Like I like that they didn't just give us Mustafar again, even though he lives on Mustafar, right? Well, there was so that like fan it. art that you sent in, wasn't yeah. there, when it looked like it was on Mustafar. Yeah, I'm glad that they went against it. And it was a cool planet. Like it was showing us these new things about using rocks instead um, but yeah, I thought it was good. And, and that's part of the joy of the Disney Plus era of Star Wars, right, which is like you get the Mandalorian, you get the Bad Batch, you get yeah. Rebels. And to be honest, like we can pick as many nits as you want in all these shows, but like we all love Star Wars and we get to spend more time in this universe and yeah. see more places and it's pretty so awesome. Good. I think that's just the bottom line of the whole series. Absolutely. Really. I think as well, like just to sum up at least the finale, like I don't think – you could have written a better encounter with that whole Obi-Wan versus Anakin versus Darth. I think it really tied in the scene in A New Hope where Vader and Ben Kenobi are on the Death Star and Vader's like, last time I saw you, like I was the former, now I'm the master. And also um, Kenobi says, Kenobi calls him Darth and says he's like a master of evil. Yeah, that's right. I thought it just tied in that perfectly. Which is a retcon as well because George Lucas has never admitted this, but he at the beginning he made Darth Vader's name like Darth as like a, his first name, not as a title. 
And then oh, in between really? the first and the second movies, they change it and call Darth Sidious Darth Sidious. Uh. And so that's why he calls him Darth at the end of the <laughs> Obi-Wan episode because they need to fix that. Yeah, interesting. I also really liked um, – I see this scene so many ways. I know. But um, the way how it kind of sets up the new hope fight about why it's kind of so restrained. Mm. It's like this time, like Vader goes ham and Anakin oh, – sorry – um, Obi-Wan, but then Obi-Wan just kind of matches him for going ham as well. Yeah. So then it just kind of teaches Vader to be more restrained. Mm. And like, the f- like he obviously is trying to be Anakin where he was like flying around with all this power. Yeah, yeah. But like his kind of, his new metallic body can't really do it. Um, so he, the fight teaches him to be more like the relig- original trilogy Vader where he's kind of more restrained and tactical and uses other stuff rather than just relying on like physical prowess that yeah. Anakin did. And yeah. you get that awesome foreshadowing where you see in, I think it's the fourth or fifth episode where you see the flashback to them f- training and fighting when they just are Anakin and Obi-Wan and they're friends mm. and you see that the aggression and the power is not actually what makes you win and he uses that against him and then you get that amazing mirroring of that of those two fights in the last episode. I think it's so great. Yeah, let's get into that. So I think that was really good. Like coming into episode five opens on that sort of pre-Attack of the Clones, Anakin and Obi-Wan. I thought a really cool part of that was that mirroring. But also I thought it was cool that they opened it with showing Anakin looking out at Padme's apartment. And you kind of realise that he met her as a child and he's just been like thinking about her ever since and just like a little subtle thing like that made that flashback so good. What do you guys think of the whole flashback scene in episode five? I think it um, it emphasises the fact that most of the series was just contingent on the Anakin-Obi-Wan relationship. Mm, and I think 100%. a lot of that started from that intro where you had all the scenes from one, two and three. Um, and yeah, like even going back to the last episode, the, um, last fight, that was like the perfect arc for, for Obi-Wan and Anakin's relationship mm. to be like, there's no more love in it. Yeah. Like it's, it's not a relationship anymore because Anakin doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Whereas yeah. like throughout all the other episodes, like it, it builds that relationship. So for example, that one, you, you have like the, the master and the apprentice, mm. um, yeah, uh, even like in the that um, BAFTA, BAFTA tank. The BAFTA tank, yeah. BAFTA, mm. BAFTA tank. Um, you see how that relationship's changed from that original montage. So like you have Obi-Wan who's just fought him for the first time um, as Vader and he's scared, he's like having nightmares. Running whatever, away. Running away. And then you have Vader who's all aggression, revenge. Yeah. Like that relationship's completely different. To what it was originally. Yeah, and as well, like you think about Obi-Wan, he, I think in episode two, he realises that Anakin's now alive because Reva says so and he's like haunted because he thought that he'd killed him this whole time. Like he left Mustafar assuming that he had killed him and he's been living that, living with that and now it's gone this whole arc circle knowing that Anakin's truly gone. I just realised that's another... Assume he's dead. Yeah. yeah no, one, no one ever dies in no. Star Wars. I can't stress that enough. What about the um, 
Jedi Temple Order 66 flashback as well. We get the we actually saw Anakin killing younglings because before we just got the Master Skywalker and he we don't actually see him killing younglings, but here he's like killing them and he kills um or stabs Reva. What do you guys think of that? Yeah, one more one more stab that doesn't kill. Um, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> nah, it is. I don't know if I needed more Anakin killing younglings personally, but okay. obviously it feeds a big point of this of this whole series. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I didn't really know where they were going to go with the whole Revy character. Um, it's kind of like a bit slow to start with, but it, it comes around quite well. And like you don't really see um, – obviously we have Ahsoka on the Jedi side who kind of gives away – the the oath, so to speak, and kind mm. of walks away from the force, but we've never seen a Sith do that. So I thought it was really cool that Reva yeah, that's kind of ends doing that, um, and it kind of just adds balance to the fact that it's not just you know light Jedi's who are um, conflicted. Conflicted. It's also kind of the Sith side as well. Um, so I thought that was really cool. I think, like to your point, when you see <coughs> when you see Anakin going to the Jedi Temple, it's thematically speaking to like a lot of what the Obi-Wan series is about, which is about like trauma and dealing with it. Mm. You see that clone trooper who's like a homeless veteran. Yeah. Now. You see Reva getting flashbacks about Anakin coming in and, and killing mm. her, her peers. You see Obi-Wan dealing with his nightmares. A lot of it is just basically about in almost a like an HBO way taking these characters that are, children's movie characters and saying, well, what would it actually feel like to be one of these people? Yeah, and it's 100%. pretty harrowing when you see him marching in with the clone troopers with the cloak over his head. Yeah, absolutely. Like if you think about what happened in Revenge of the Sith and what damage that would actually cause to a bunch of humans, really cool that they actually dived into that. Yeah. I like. I reckon two things with that. It continues like Disney's theme of like being, like you were saying, kids movie company. Movie company, is that right? Yeah, yeah let's go with Close that. Close enough. Um, like in so many different series, so Mandalorian, um, I think they did it in Boba Fett, maybe not. It was, they did it in something else. Um, it might have been Rebels or, or Clone Wars. Mm. Um, having like completely different perspectives of Order 66. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, um, yeah we, we did see kind of people trying to run away yeah. at the Start of the series. Yeah, yeah, the beginning of the Bad Batch, you Bad see Batch, Kanan yeah. run away from Order 66 and his master get killed. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because it, yeah. it is such a huge event, but we've in the movies we only really saw one side. Mm. Yeah. Um, so that was really cool. And I think the second point to it is you see that whole, like it's, again, it's already been mentioned, but that like dark side of Anakin and Vader. Mm. And going back to our like first podcast that we did, I'd love to see like a – Noir Vader movie oh, similar to like a Batman. Give it Robert to me. Pattinson Batman. Give it to me. That'd be sick. That'd be so cool. I think it was cool in that sense as well that we also like Obi-Wan as the character of this series, like he was really broken because of all the things that happened. Like he's on Tatooine. He's just like living the same day over and over for 10 years and he slowly regains his touch but yeah, he is having nightmares about Qui Gon and That's Anakin right. and stuff. Like, these are real humans at the end of the day. And, and people are like explicitly telling him that what has happened to the world is his fault. 
when he talks to Owen about yeah. training Luke, Owen says to him, like, you trained his father. And then when he talks to Reva through the door, she says to him, where were you? He was your Padawan. Mm. Like, they're explicitly saying in the text, like, we are in this shitty situation that we're all in because you <laughs> personally <laughs> failed. Yeah. And that, like, got to feel pretty bad. 100%. I think as well, we already kind of mentioned it, but I thought that one of the best sort of scenes in the series was in either episode three or four where Obi-Wan sees Vader for the first time. He's in that like mining planet and he's walking through the town and he's just snapping necks. He's four stroking people, like dragging them along the ground to draw Obi-Wan out. And we get the kind of battle in the darkness. And I thought it was cool that they showed us like, Vader walking through the dark, but we didn't see him except for his like lights and his saber and stuff. What do you guys think of the battle in episode three? Um, I loved it to be honest. Um, I mean, I did not expect this before the series, but when you actually see how much of a shell Obi Wan is, mm. the fight makes complete sense. Where like <laughs> he just runs, um, <laughs> and like he's completely terrified. He knows that he's. If he actually comes face to face with Vader, he's in so much trouble. Yeah. That's why he just has to run away. Um, and it just allows for a great mirroring in the final fight, as we've talked about. Um, and yeah, the seeing Vader just fuck people up, like it just adds to his, like how scary he is. And yeah. Um, it was a great way to kind of bring him in. Um, what do you, what do you think about? kind of that because this is the first time we're seeing him in the series and he says to obi-wan like i am what you made me yeah what do you guys think of their kind of dialogue throughout that i think it's almost like he's like what he says to to obi-wan throughout the series is actually a reflection on what obi-wan thinks Mm. when obi-wan is lacking confidence and wrecked with guilt vader says to him you are what you made me and then when he's actually come to terms with everything and knows what he must do, then Anakin kind of actually contradicts him and says, you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I, mm. I did. Yeah. And it's actually so it's – it's more a reflection of Obi-Wan's state of mind than anything external in the world. They're 100%. both true, but at that time he can't, can't, he can't comprehend what's happening. Yeah. And he's so overwhelmed by it. 100%. And we get that quote as well and he's like he's, – he picks him up lights the fire on the ground and says, and this is, this is one of my favourite quotes of the series, he says, now you will suffer. And you actually think about it like the last thing that happened was the reverse and that's exactly what Vader would do having this revenge and aggression in his mind ever since then and he drags him through the fire and you're like, okay, that's like fucking great writing. Like they've, they've clearly thought about, okay, what would Anakin or Darth be wanting to do to Obi-Wan the first time they encounter. And I just thought that was insane. Yeah, it's like he's been thinking about it for 10 years. <laughs> yeah. And and he's he's almost like disappointed that Obi-Wan isn't putting up more of a fight. Yeah. Um, so do, like, you reckon, do you reckon that's why he lets him just get carried away by that droid? I, th- I think so. Like he, he wants, you, you, in that flashback where you have Anakin and Obi-Wan training together, you can see that, Anakin's biggest flaw is that he wants to dominate his opponent and you can't dominate someone that's not even willing to, like it's like he he doesn't enjoy it when Obi-Wan's weak. He Mm. wants to beat him at his peak when in the the same way that Obi-Wan beat him 
Yeah. For the satisfaction. Hundred percent. Floral kink. No, but it's a kink that Vader has to learn. I think. Yeah. Like, it's another great thing they do is bridge bridge the arrogant kind of youngster to the measured tactical guy. Absolutely. The original trilogy, like, it needs to be taught a lesson that, yeah, if you like dragging out these fights just because you want to like get a sense of victory out of it won't actually get you the victory. Yeah. And I thought it was really cool as well that just a lesser point, like when Vader has to choose between following the start of the Rebel Alliance and ending it right there. Yeah, that's right. Or following Obi-Wan. He chooses Obi-Wan, loses, and effectively lets the Rebel Alliance grow to destroy the Empire in like however many years. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a great great clouded by by his anger. Yeah. It's a great... It's a great way for him to arc into his original trilogy character. 100%. Talking about like them getting away, is Andor set where that ship could possibly come into that series? I don't actually know. So Andor's a prequel to Rogue One. Mm. About like the fledgling of the of the rebels, but also about like the complex history behind some of the characters. But I think you're essentially going to get like through Star Wars Rebels, through Andor, um, and through this TV show and the Ahsoka TV show and the Mandalorian, you're going to get essentially all these threads that get tied together that begin mm. the spark that lights the rebellion. Yeah. To, Nerdily quote off the top of the sequel <laughs> trilogy. Oh God! Yeah, hundred percent. I think that is where they're going with it. A um, couple more things to chat about that I thought we missed. What about the opening recap? Oh. So good. You guys dissected it pretty well in the first Obi Wan podcast, but yeah, I they could I had have chills. Done it better. Yeah, yeah. A way to put the prequel trilogy into like a short snippet just to get everything moving and like mm. bring it all back like amazing so emotional as well like so emotional you're getting back all the kind of things that have happened and you think, um you know those like youtube videos where they kind of fill in like in the original trilogy like it'll be like obi-wan thinking about something and they'll put in a flashback Yes. Some emotional music. Yeah. Do you reckon those kind of reaction videos have influenced them? Yeah. 100%. Or maybe it was just a submission. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) To be honest, like, I would be surprised if, yeah, like, there's a competition involved. Yeah. Make me the best possible flashback (laughs) prequel trilogy. But it, it, like, it really reminds you, like, people talk about, like, the story of Star Wars is, like, the story of Anakin, essentially. Mm. Um, Like, he's the main character of Star Wars. And it shows you when you see him when he's super young and you see Qui-Gon saying train the boy when he's dying all the way to – and then you get to see Vader in that t- in the TV show. It does, like, remind you and situate you among, like, this is a tragedy what's happened to, like, mm. this person. And it Absolutely. primes you to feel sorry for them, him later in the show and, like, see all these mistakes that have been made. Yeah. Do, you think, do you think that was the purpose of the prequels? So obviously in the <clears throat> in the first three – if you if you didn't have the titles, you'd think Luke was the main character, but then you understand that the title of each movie relates to Anakin. Yeah, for sure, exactly. Oh, not necessarily, but in the the, the last one. Yeah, it, like the even the original are like it's like the redemption of that character, right? Like he like the the, the originals could have ended with Luke killing Vader and killing mm. Palpatine, 
Yeah. And then they would have had that party in the jungle where the Ewoks <laughs> dance and Leia and Han are having a, a book and like whatever. But that's not how it ends. It ends with him actually like taking the mask off and saying like, look upon me. Yeah. With my, so I can look upon you with my own eyes. And I think the prequels just add to that. Mm, 100%. One last thing. What do we think about Leia as a character and the casting of Vivian Blair? What do you think about her performance? I already mentioned the arc is great, but the performance actually like makes the arc possible. Mm. For sure. It's unbelievable. Like, it's so good. How old is she? I think she's nine. That's outrageous. That's insane. Yeah. It's crazy how they just like, like has, has this kid like seen Star Wars? Like, <laughs> because yeah. how she knows to show that just amount of rebellion in Leia, mm. but then also kind of the arrogance as well. All of which are traits of her dad and yes. her mum. Mm. And like the scene when he says that, I was oh, bawling. That was insane. <laughs> that last like bit of dialogue, and she's so like emotional, and he's saying how you got the traits of yeah, Padme, traits of Anakin. Yeah, yeah. but she's kind. Insane. She still doesn't. She obviously hasn't met them, but she just just exudes a new hope layer. Yeah, which is like yeah. a you know. Still a young girl, like eighteen or something. That's right. And is taking on Vader head on, and like running this whole rebellion show. Yeah. This girl has, what's the, what's the actress's name? Vivian Blair. Un, how she's captured all of that is yeah. unbelievable. How she's captured that after Star Wars's historical performance with casting child actors, where you kind of go, <laughs> coming off the base of, are you an angel? <laughs> they, they, they've really taken it like they've, they've done a retrospective. They've had a chat. They're like, we're not going to fuck yeah. this up this time. Yeah, I think like as well, like in the final exchange with Obi-Wan, she even says um, he's like, oh, like I'll tell you about, your parents one day, like when we have more time or something, and she's like, "No, like I don't, I don't even need to." Like she's got um, Organa and her family, and that kind of shows like she's been on older on until A New Hope, and she's been like content with that. She's not like you know Rapunzel, where it's like, "Oh, like where am I actually from, and like why am I kept sure. here and stuff?" Like you understand that. Yeah. So I what think if, they what just if some old bloke turns up to your planet and says, "Oh, actually, your parents are these." Super wizards and like <laughs> well, rebellion it's people. It's Harry Potter. Yeah, all over again. It's Harry Potter. <laughs> it's the, like like all children's things are all orphans. Like it's Bambi. It's Harry Potter. It's the Lion King. <laughs> like literally all Disney movies. There's an orphan component to it. Yeah. Um. And it's tough when you see Alderaan looking really great and then you think about the original oh, sequel and it gets yeah, destroyed exactly. by the Death Star and you're like, that's <laughs> tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it gives so much weight. To the fact that, um, like, she's such a strong character. She doesn't really care about her past. She just no. knows what she has to do going forward, which is fight this emperor and, sorry, the empire. Because, like, she's witnessed these, all these atrocities and that's her goal from now on. She doesn't care mm. about her past. It's all about the future. Yeah. All right, one more thing to touch on. What do we think about Qui-Gon, the Force Ghost appearance at the end? The wig and the beard are terrible, but other than that, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were a bit off. So bad. They were a bit off, but I, I did like it. I thought that we heard Obi-Wan kind of saying, like, Master, where are you? And we knew that after Revenge of the Sith, he had this training from Yoda. Um, but I wasn't sure how much they were going to do it. So if they do have a season two, it could be interesting because they went off. I, the I actually had this in my roast part. <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Me too. me too. I um, I think like for something that was in the intro, that intro scene that we already talked about in the montage, yeah. where it focused so heavily on Anakin, Obi Wan, and Qui Gon, I thought it was going to be like a really central part of the whole series. Mm. Yeah. But from that, like Force Ghost in the last episode, literally, I would have been like close to the last scene. Um, it was almost just like a name drop. It, that's what it felt like. It ben felt says, like a mall in yeah. Um, it's like solo. They, it's like they couldn't get Liam Neeson to turn up yeah. for more than <laughs> for more than five reluctant, minutes. Reluctant. Yeah, he's like, I've been doing the voice on Clone Wars, but fuck this TV show, I'm not coming. <laughs> and they pay. They're like throwing money at him, being like, No, I have two million. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Let's get into the well, roast I, then I, while we're just on, on that as well. What I you thought, think? yeah, like Elijah said, I thought he was going to actually have a at least a bit more of a. Even if he's just like the inspiration, like he might help Obi-Wan come out mm. of his funk or he might like cause Anakin to like do a misstep because he like remembers that Qui-Gon yeah. was the guy who started it all for him. But, and also in the Clone Wars, when they kind of touch on the force ghost concept and like Qui-Gon kind of teaches Yoda or starts to about the force ghost I thought Qui-Gon could only be a voice. He couldn't be a, a manifestation of a person as well. Yeah, it's confusing because in the Clone Wars he does come to Obi-Wan at one point in time but it's like in a dream and so mm. I think a lot of the Force Ghost canon has been evolving pretty rapidly yeah. over time. Well, remember he's got 10 more years to like manifest himself yeah. into the ghost. Yeah, I mean they're, they're not going to bring back just Liam Neeson's voice. They're going to give him the full service show mm. that – yeah. Um, I thought he could have potentially. It would have been more powerful if he had. Obi Wan had have focused himself at his darkest time when he was covered by the rocks. That would have been good, rather than when he's chirpy. Obi Wan, having <laughs> recently said hello there <laughs> to, to Luke. Yeah, that is a good point. That actually would have probably made for it to be like a bit better. Like, yeah, you think he's gone. You think he's gonna die, and Obi Wan. I'm um, sorry, Qui Gon. Was to save it. That would have actually been was, pretty cool. I was hoping for a Qui Gon Anakin moment, to be honest. That would have been um, really interesting. That would have been interesting. Like in the middle of the final fight or something, Qui Gon would appear to Anakin and be like, "Anakin, like, what are you doing?" Or some or something. Um, that's I a good, that that's a been good really Liam cool. Neeson impression. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you think about it, like Qui Gon started this whole mess. He did. He's literally he's literally the prime mover of the Star Wars universe. <laughs> so that relationship he can't would even be survive a stab wound. Maybe he saw what he was going to cause and was like, "Fuck, I got to get out of here." <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, that that is interesting. Um, talking about stabbings, what do we think about? the Grand Inquisitor getting stabbed and just being gone for the whole series. Any danger of an explanation? <laughs> well, like the I saw on the, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon. Um, one of the Jimmys. Yeah, one of, one of the Jimmys. The guy who plays the Grand Inquisitor, he kind of said, oh, like Jimmy, whichever Jimmy it was, was like, oh, like he got stabbed in the recent episode and he's like, Oh, he said, you got stabbed in the chest. And he's like, oh, no, got stabbed in, like, one of my stomachs because the Grand Inquisitor has, stomachs. like, two or three stomachs. And that kind of already hinted at him coming back. I mean, knew he was going to come you back. You knew he was going to come back because he's alive in Rebels, <laughs> which is after Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. Like, so I felt like they just, like, had to get rid of him for, like, three episodes. Sideline like, him, I think they yeah. called it. Why bring him in? Well, 
like why bring any of them in to be perfectly honest like they exist in rebels because Ezra and Kanan are an apprentice mm. teaching a padawan and so they're actually scary yeah they're not scary to obi-wan in any way shape no. or form they're definitely not scary to Vader when he absolutely washes Reva with, with like his hands behind his back. Like they just don't add a lot of jeopardy to the yeah. show in any way, shape, or form. And yes. that's that's right after she's been labeled the Grand Inquisitor. She's she's the top, and he rinses her, rinses her. Yeah, and it's like an episode after the other Grand Inquisitor has died, and. She mentions him to Vader, and Vader goes, "I don't care about the Grand, Grand Inquisitor." <laughs> yeah. So it's like, why are we meant to be invested in her becoming something that the main character of the show has told us that we shouldn't care yeah. about? Like, and I, I feel like they tried to make them really scary in the first episode, where yeah. you get the Tatooine Benny Safdie like yeah. thing, trying to draw out the Jedi, and like Reva cuts off some poor woman's like hand. Yeah. And I, I didn't even feel much fear. Like maybe if the season was longer, it might have been better. But in six episodes, I was like, why Why are they even here? And then the, the fifth Inquisitor, that who's played a, by... That's <laughs> not a team player. <laughs> you know, Sung Kang, he is Han yeah. in Fast and the Furious. He's all tough, but like he does fuck all. He does fuck all. It was all. a weird character. To be fair, now you mention that. Han in Fast and Furious is also a man of pretty little words. <laughs> yeah. So it's a bit weird thinking of it now. But they're very different. Like, why would you cast? Because Han's this, like, nice, chirpy guy. Yeah, like, how right. has he been cast? Not not that I'm a casting, like, director, but how has he been cast for this Inquisitor well, role? I feel like the Inquisitor is more generally just, like, they've, like, not seen each other for a while due to COVID. They've been, like, doing, like, that, like, Sith, like, Zoom calls. Yeah, yeah. And then they just, like, need to go for, like, a team-building exercise. <laughs> Because they really like their chemistry is not strong. No, at all. their their division's about to get cut off. Like their the They're CEO is not it. happy with their performance. <laughs> <laughs> no one's doing each other any favors. Um, another character that I didn't didn't make any sense to me. Um, so we I don't know how to pronounce his name. Colin Roken yeah, or Roken. Roken. Who's played by Ice Cube's son, yeah. O'Shea Jackson? You mean you're talking about the guy that's like, I'm not doing this, and then just immediately like, yeah, let's yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah, what? So he's. Uh, I wrote this down because I had to rewatch it. So his motives made no sense. He's all like defensive when Tala brings Obi Wan and Leia to him because he's got like a ship that can get them out of there. Um, and he's like, oh, no, nah, like, that's not my problem. You're like the most wanted man in the universe at the moment. Like my wife, the Inquisitors found her. And then he's like, look, if you want my help, you got it. And it's yeah. like, what? <laughs> you just built up this whole thing saying, I'm not helping you. Like, I hate the Inquisitors. And then For he's sure. just like, yeah, you can have my help. It's like, that made no sense to me. And then in the finale, Obi-Wan gives him this big one-on-one -on -one speech, which is like, you're a leader. Like, I really, like, you need to go and be a leader. And it's like, did this leadership happen off screen? Like, <laughs> no. I don't know where, like, how have we seen this? Maybe they're setting up like a spin-off series with him. And it's like, I, okay, I, I seriously hope not. <laughs> yeah. Ice Cube doing the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. Do we, do we think that that Tala is the only good new character? Yeah, she was pretty good. I think she's the only good new character that they introduce. She was something different as well, like a defected um, yeah, that's Empire right. staff. And I, and I thought her and Obi Wan had some like pretty mad sexual chemistry yeah, at points. They did. I, I thought she was going to be the new Satine or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Because um, technically he's not a Jedi anymore, so he probably could. Have some, you know, 
have some love interests and he could get it done. He's not answering to any <laughs> he's not yeah, he's not answering to anyone anymore. He can do what he wants. Like he's just <laughs> he's just passing on. He's some pretty knowledge. horny. Um but yeah, uh, like good good character, definitely. Um added like just the acting was really good. Mm. Yeah, I think for sure. Um and she's from Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, that's why, yeah. She's obviously a very good actress or actor. I thought, although with her, there was the scene, she's a great character, but there was the scene on the Inquisitor base. And I don't know if it was just me, but she like punched a stormtrooper in For the sure. head and it knocked him out apparently, or him or her. She knows where like the pressure points are. She's like, <laughs> it was like 1980s Kung Fu yeah. movies. What? I was like, how did she take these people down? My so question is like, obviously Din Djarin <clears throat> is in the Star Wars universe. Mm. Who is her love interest from Game of Thrones? Yeah. So, do, oh. like, do they <laughs> do they ever overlap? Like, are they aware? Of, like, is how does Ka- this work? No, because is isn't Mandalorian like thirty years? Yeah, it's way after. Yeah. after. But he's, <laughs> he's old, but he's old. He's like so that's he's true. Young so we, we know Star Wars doesn't really care for that age gap. It no, really they do not. Yeah. Star Wars has no issues with the age gap. <laughs> um, I, I interesting. Thought I'll I'll give a plug to Reva. Um, as a new character being good. Um, you thought she was good? First, like, it was kind of obvious she was the Padawan at the start. But mm. you were kind of like, what What the hell's the motive here? And to have her kind of be plotting this Vader revenge, I thought was quite cool. And then her actually, yeah, rejecting the Sith. I thought, like, it hasn't really been done before. Um, no, for sure. Actually, now that I think about it, Asajj Ventress kind of did that, but, like, not by choice. Yeah, um, she was cast out. Mm. But I think, yeah, her character was clearly essential to the whole show. So I'll I'll give her a pass as a good new yeah. character. Yeah, I thought the writers threw her under, under the bus in the last episode, but I thought the performance, like you really believed that she was really cut up about it and that she mm. hated Vader but also hated Obi-Wan and was just kind of struggling in this world that yeah. she wasn't expecting. Like yeah. growing up in the Jedi Temple like seems like a lot of kind of like sunshine and rainbows and then all of a sudden she's in this situation. Well, yeah, I mean, she's left her family wherever her family is. Yeah. Like the whole the whole life cycle of a Jedi is like quite tragic if it goes wrong. For and, sure. And and of course it does. Like you've been taken <laughs> from your family if like yeah. if the whole institution falls over, then your life is ruined. Yeah. So low key tragic if it goes right because you are being taken away from your family so yeah. Well, we heard that when Obi-Wan was like, I think I had a brother. Yeah. I think I had a oh, mum. forgot about that. That's actually. really, That was a really, great little really scene because we never really know his backstory. What are your thoughts on a Kenobi season two? Obi-Wan's brother <laughs> comes after him. <laughs> and fourth Kenobi. Yeah, Aberforth Kenobi. That's so good. He runs a, he runs a pub in Tatooine where they play. They're like, do, 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 do. That's his, that's his Fortuna. Um, who's a good... You're McGregor Scottish? Yeah, you're McGregor Scottish. Who's a good Scottish? Don't oh, know. I don't know. You could get a, a couple of people. There's a couple of good Michael Fassbender, maybe. Yeah, Irish. yeah. Or maybe you could exactly. get someone from um train spotting, which that, is that's that's what that's you, and McGregor. You could get them from T two, one of the yeah. younger people in train spotting, yeah. and get them in there. Just talk about you and really quick. Obviously he had a great performance, like nailed the character to everything. <clears throat> he looks too good. 
to be a 50-year-old. He looks <laughs> yeah. fantastic. Like he hasn't <laughs> aged a day since Revenge of the Sith. He need, yeah. They had to like make him more bald or something. Like he just looks too good. I'm sorry. Because now he's got to age heaps in oh, 10 years. In nine years, yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least don't give him that cool like... Like long Slick. hair. Well, yeah. there's all, the, all those memes of Vader being like, I think it's Obi-Wan. I, I, there's a presence that I haven't felt for some time. And Tarkin says in A New Hope, he's like, surely he must be dead. And then the meme is Vader being like, nah, I saw him nine years ago. He looks great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's such a good point. Like they, they should have aged him a bit and... Like it's not his fault. He just, no, no. He's just a good-looking man. He can't look worse. Like, yeah. yeah, and people didn't have work done when Alec Guinness was famous. <laughs> <laughs> no. I love the math to know, like Alec Guinness, what age in New Hope? Obi Wan, yeah, right. how old was you in yeah. the series? And like, just bridge the gap there because <laughs> yeah, nine years. I did think, to his credit, I did think that he his voice yeah had sure. changed in the right direction from Revenge of the Sith to. Definitely. This it was weaker, mm, a lot more weak. Even just the way he talked. I remember when I saw the trailer and I heard him say, um, "When the time comes, he must be trained." I was like, "That's just he's nailed Alec mm. from yeah. New Hope. Like, sure. he's, he's just become everyone." Yeah. Speaking of like kind of maybe not like things that we didn't like, but just kind of things we would have changed. This was originally meant to be a movie, and then halfway mm. through they re-scoped it as a TV show. If we didn't like the Inquisitors and we didn't like Roken, would we have preferred if this was a movie? Because I think I maybe would have. I'm I'm torn. I don't um, know. I like I was sorry. I was watching. If you cut the best bits, you've got a great movie. You got two hours. There's no and doubt about minutes. that. But at the same time, we want more content. Yeah. So I agree. Yeah. It's literally that fight. It's like, do I want a perfect two-hour movie? Or a really good six-hour miniseries. It's a yeah. really hard question. Yeah, yeah. Especially the way like <laughs> Disney's going at the moment, where like they'll intertwine certain bits, but not necessarily the main characters. That's mm. right. Yeah. I think on that, it's like you can get the scale of a big movie. Like this, in some parts, felt a little small, but it's like that's just the nature of a TV show. But I think that having this like longer arc that we got between. Anakin between Reaver and Obi-Wan was much better. I think they could even have made it longer. And I personally thought that they were going to have like either a Soka in in the story at some point or even a Mace Windu comeback. Yeah. And you could have – you could still have – I'm trying to think of how all the TV shows line up, but you could – Season two of this, if it happens, we don't know when Andor is set. Presumably it's like – before Rogue Five One. years time. Yeah. Or something. Because mm. um, Rogue One's obviously like three minutes <clears> before <throat> A New Hope. Yeah. Because I, I would actually almost love, you, you in Rogue One you get to see all these essentially like civilians in the galaxy doing their best. Mm. And you get to see Vader at the very end just boss it up, come on like Tom Brady in a game of pickup football. You, I would almost like to see Andor but you see Obi-Wan come in at the end and, yeah. and like essentially like you said that like the Jedi version of that would be really, really cool because what's similar, he doing for nine years? Yeah. Similar to Luke in Mandalorian. Like That's right, yeah. Just seeing the civilian versus Jedi. Yeah, he's clearly got his powers back so you, you'd think he's going to use them 
he knows this pathway exists. Um, you'd think that he does more with his time for mm. the next 10 years than just train. Yeah. Well, on that point, he has to get to a point where he's so content with leaving the physical world mm. in a new hope. So maybe there's like one more triumph that he's like, okay, I'm happy with what I've done. Yeah. So maybe season two will be something big like that. One more thing that it was still very nostalgic, but what about Anakin being 45 years old? <laughs> like the I CG care. of Anakin. I just didn't care. <laughs> yeah, you've got to give that a pass. Like, I mean, yeah, okay, okay, all right. You can – they've got the tech to do the de-aging, but like – It looks crap when I, they do it. I, I was fine with it. Okay. I, you – if you want to bring Hayden and Ewan back, this is the price. You've got to – because you either do them at their current age, which they kind of work for. We've talked about how good Ewan looks. Mm. But if you want to do a flashback with them now, it's it's a small price to pay for having those characters kind of back in time. Uh, so I think it's a, it's a slippery slope. Like you see Luke in The Mandalorian. Like mm. he looks good, like not – too old, obviously, because Mark Hamill's not going to play him now. But yep. if you commit to things like that, then fans are just going to want more Obi Wan. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's right. Hayden Christensen or Mark <laughs> Hamill, like young versions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. I think yeah, probably can't give us too much, but I just thought it was a little funny note, despite yeah. loving the flashbacks. It's, it's interesting, right? Because the only time they've ever cast someone younger to play someone that's played an iconic role is in the Solo movie, mm. where they got another actor to play Han. And even though I kind of liked it, <clears throat> it's fair to say the people hated it. Oh, like yeah, that movie. Absolutely. So much hate. I, I really liked it, to be honest. And so, like, I think that they've learned, like, a capitalist lesson out of that exercise <laughs> yeah. and they're never doing it again. No. Yeah. 100%. Just something that was different that could be good, but it's not what I wanted originally, and that was the soundtrack. Um, okay. Mm. I thought... Arguably the best part of the prequels is the epic soundtrack. Mm. And in this, I was like, okay, you get some tighter story writing, combine that with the prequel soundtrack and that kind of opera epic vibe, you've got yourself a masterful series. Yeah. But they didn't really go for that epic opera vibe where you've got the huge choirs, Jewel of Fates. Yeah. They Mm. kind of went away from that, which is... Not what I wanted, but is probably what was needed to be able to have it as a standalone series. Yeah, Um, that's a good point. Like watching these YouTube videos where they do the fight with the epic soundtrack from the prequels. Yeah. Like that looks and sounds so good, but I get why they had to move away from it. Um, It was just a little bit disappointing for me. Mm. Yeah, and the same that Elijah said earlier, like when they actually do use the Force theme, which is the original music from when Luke is looking out at the binary suns, yeah. they use it when Obi-Wan goes back to visit Leia on all the yeah. Like, I don't know how that made you feel, but it, like because they hadn't used a lot of the original music, like you're like as immediately like goosebumps. Oh, 100%. I think they, yeah, they probably do have to make new stuff and make new epic things. And it wasn't that epic, but yes, I definitely agree. Like when it came, it was epic, especially like sure. that scene. We got the Imperial March when 
he's spoken to the emperor. Yeah. And we realize how Vader's like becoming himself. Um, but John Williams was still part of the Yeah, he wrote this Obi-Wan music. Yeah. I just don't think it was insanely iconic. Like I'm not gonna be listening to it. It's a different that much. vibe. They had to make it um just be able to like they the soundtrack obviously wasn't the best part of the show. Mm. And because the cinematography and the story was so good, like that that's fine. Um it's just that yeah, I, I'm being transported back to when I was a kid and like you have this epic soundtrack and like this big kind of opera battle and it was just different to that, which mm. took me like I had to rewatch it to like appreciate it. Um, yeah. I still and think, I think that'll yeah. age quite well actually. Yeah. It's its own thing. It's not just a, a sequel. Yeah. I think I think it's something that I've been doing a little bit as well, like trying to move away from the originals. And I think like they do it in key moments in like <clears throat> Rebels or key moments in Clone Wars. Yeah. Like those, or even Mandalorian <clears throat> with Luke. Mm. But I think they are trying to move away from it. Uh, I yeah. think that's important because I don't think Disney can keep making series or movies that exist within the universe of the first six movies. 100%. I think at some point they can either bite the bullet and try and legitimize the 789. Or they're gonna have to go before, yeah, before um, Phantom Menace and try and make some new content. I agree. I think, um, like, they had John Williams, but they also had Natalie Holt, who did who's a great, yeah, she did uh, the Loki series, yeah. which actually had a pretty decent score, I thought. But I think to speak to that, like on the Clone Wars, especially the final season, like the score was very different. Mm. Felt kind of like Blade Runner, and it's like okay, we're seeing sort of different emotional music throughout. So I think it's good that they're going away from the original, but yeah, maybe it wasn't that impactful in this one. And they use the Imperial March like very, very mm. sparingly. And so that does give you goosebumps. I think your point, Elijah, about like going away from the original six comes back to like my very last nitpick, which is some things you see, you're like, oh, that's really cool, but I know what happens. And so it takes away from it. The biggest one, which I was kind of giggling about is, when the Lars, so Owen and his wife, are defending Luke from Reva, and you're like, that's great, but I know that in the original series, Luke comes back and, you, <laughs> and, they've, and they've turned you into brisket outside the front of your house. And so clearly whoever was coming for you then is more powerful than Reva because you guys got fried. <laughs> yeah, who, wait, just to remind, who does kill his parents in... It. You don't see, see it. It's just like implied, like the empire quote yeah. unquote. <laughs> but I guess. But I get. Uh, so how does Reva not I, like I, it's tear them apart? It's a, exactly. it's a shot in the foot to Reva because if she can't kill him and she was injured, storm, she was stabbed. True, that's true. That. And but, I'm going to defend it again. Like, I, I would rather think that Owen. <laughs> I can't remember the Luke's mum's name, but. Peru. I would like to Peru. think they put Peru. up a yeah, Peru. I would like to think they put up a fight and there was a similar sort of action sequence. Yeah, that's right. Age sixty, obviously not as good, and then they're just lost. Like, yeah, well, they're they put, sprawled all over. They the have stairs. some ticker, which I'm I'm fine with. Because they look like you, when you hate leave bacon in the, in, the, in the frying pan for too long. Because <laughs> in number four, Owen's such a dick and like yeah. has no fight in him. He's just happy being a farmer. <laughs> yeah. Like you clearly see, like Joel has has a bit of ticker, um, and is going to fight for his like um, 
adopted son. Yeah. yeah. Actually, also to be fair, they they look about seventy and eighty in number four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Joel, yeah, and Joel Edgerton actually low key looks great in this movie. He looks, he looks the exact same. Um, At the same time, like a bit of a cop out, like having Owen be some boss. Like, I don't know, like that's not what I actually well, needed, like. We were watching this together, and this was just me having like a Star Wars mind blank. But I thought Owen Lars was the guy from Attack of the Clones who has no legs. Oh, and, no. and I thought his legs might get chopped off in the Kenobi series. I was, I was like, <laughs> this is it. He's going to lose his legs. And then I legs. lost my legs. Um, but I thought that's who like, Owen Lars was. You think he's like the Lieutenant Dan of the Star Wars universe? <laughs> well, there's all this copying of other series. So I thought, you know, you got to have some Forrest Gump in there too. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Unless one of them just opens a shrimp restaurant on Tatooine. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Is that tuna in, in that, that Obi-Wan yeah. was harvesting? <laughs> that's just shamey. Can't wait for Disney to do a good chase scene though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, actually we, did, we didn't talk about it. I, I heard someone describe that as a Mary-Kate Olsen chase scene. <laughs> like what does that mean? Um, that show Full House um, that the Olsen twins are in is like little kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like... They were trying to say that it was like an 80s sitcom chase. <laughs> no, no danger. No, it's no. almost like um, Home Alone. It is. Yeah. Oh. Like we have Leia and then even the one in, um, it kind of like made me think about the one in Boba Fett where those, yep. the hoodlums. Oh, on on, on, the, on those are. space bikes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> they look like Power Rangers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's comical. It's yeah. comical in like series that there's no real other comical element yeah. except maybe a hello there. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think that's why like obviously like we all liked the Obi-Wan show but the Ahsoka show is coming out which has prequels grounding and so you know what happened before it mm. but you don't know what happens after it because Ahsoka is not in the original trilogy. Yeah. So both she and Thrawn and Ezra could all die. Yeah. So Ezra is going to be running around getting chased by bad guys and you're like, maybe he might die and mm. it will make it so much better than when Luke and Leia are yeah. getting chased because 100%. it is That's like Home Alone sticks. where Joe Pesci's like banging, <laughs> banging his head on the top of things and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, like we spoke about it in our episode, but like if a bunch of bounty hunters can't catch this little kid, like, yeah, you just Every knew how it was going to go. Bounty hunters. One of them was Flea. Did you notice that? Yeah, Flea from Chili from Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> what? Why is he starring in a... It just sounds like a Daniel Craig. It does. Star Wars Cameo, yeah. yeah. We, and you've got Ben Safdie, Kamal Nanjani, and, yeah. <laughs> um, and Flea, all, star, all kind of co-starring in this just yeah. for funsies because they want to be in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, I'd say, yeah, the fact that there is flaws just... Kind of makes it a quintessential Star Wars. Yeah, correct. Mm. There just is always flaws. Yeah. Um, There's always a Jar Jar Binks. But yeah. we can forgive them because the highs were so good. As you were saying before, Pat, like, you know, there's some lows. We're like, all right, I'm just going to look past this. But overall, thoroughly enjoyable series. And I think it'll age quite well. Mm. Um, yeah, there's some weird hate out there online, which I've ignored. Yeah. Um, but I think, like, in the coming years, this will kind of – I hope this will get the love that the Mandalorian gets. As 100%. A, I think it's similar to Revenge of the Sith. Like, it's it's a decent, like, whole thing, but then it'll, it'll have that last scene that Revenge of the Sith has, ironically, both Anakin and Obi-Wan. Mm. 
which just like uplifts it into like that Star Wars yeah. fandom kind of thing. What? But, but yeah, highs and lows. Absolutely. Can't wait for the Ewoks to play a really big role in Ahsoka. <laughs> <laughs> so excited. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think like the prequels have gained more appreciation and you saw how much people wanted Hayden Christensen to come back and originally he got heaps of hate but <clears throat> I think this will age and if you're don't know what you're doing if you haven't seen any, but if you're coming into Star Wars fresh. Are you saying if you're like two hours and 15 minutes into this podcast and you haven't seen it? <laughs> no, I'm just saying like to myself, like if you're coming in fresh and you've got all these movies to get through and this, like I think it'll just make it that much better. All right, so that is a wrap for Obi-Wan Kenobi. Such a good TV series. Thoroughly enjoyed it. As always, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Cinemates, a podcast for a bunch of mates. Chat about cinema over some drinks. Huge thank you to Jim, Pat, and Elijah for coming on the podcast. It's great chatting with you. Thank Thank you very much. much. Thanks for having us. No worries. As always, please let us know what you want to hear about in future episodes. And if you want to send in a mailbag or do an elevator pitch to me, send us a DM on Instagram or TikTok at cinemates underscore. Otherwise, we'll catch you for the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Cinemates. Make sure to follow us and leave a review on your chosen streaming platforms. Also check out our Instagram, TikTok and YouTube channel for more Cinemates content. In the spirit of reconciliation, we acknowledge Australia's First Nations people as the traditional owners and custodians of the land and pay respect to the Camaragal people of the Eora Nation upon whose country Cinemates is based. We honour the storytelling and culture of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities across Australia. Also, in the spirit of chatting with mates, remember it's always important to check in with those around you. Whether it's friends, family or colleagues, sometimes they may be going through a hard time and chatting with them may reassure them that they aren't alone. If you or anyone you know is ever struggling, call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.